And today I want to talk to you about something that I think is so crucial in the life of every believer, and that is wisdom with relationships. Wisdom with relationships. So let's put the verse up there, and let's read Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 26. I want you to read this with me because what a great passage. Are you ready? The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. How many of you know that's true? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. And I want to pray for this congregation, myself included. Give us, Lord, wise relationships, godly relationships. And I pray that today your word will sift us, will speak to us, shine light upon us, for Lord, if our nation is going to be strong, we've got to be strong. The church has got to be strong. So make our church strong, mighty in spirit, to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Let me minister on this whole subject to you because it's so important. The righteous should choose his friends carefully. Notice a friend is a choice. Not something that emotionally overwhelms you where you just got to be somebody's friend. Friendship is a choice. And we are to make wise choices when it comes to relationships. One of the most important things in your life today, I assure you, is who your friends are. God cares about your friends, and here's why. Because nobody is going to influence you like your friends. Aside from your spouse, if you're married... And maybe even still, your friends are some of the greatest, strongest influences in your entire life. Let me give you a fact. Where you are in life five years from now is going to depend on about two things. The strength of your commitment to God and who your friends were. If you want to extrapolate or project where your life is going to be five years from now, look at your commitment to God. How strong is it? and who your friends are. Who are you running with? Who are you spending time with? Who are you talking to? Who's speaking into your life? Who's counseling you, directing you, guiding you, setting an example for you? Who your friends are, I've learned this in almost 30 years of pastoring and 58 years of living. I've learned this. Who your friends are is the greatest indicator of your own spiritual walk. You want a barometer for your own spiritual walk? Let me meet your friends. Because birds of a feather really do flock together, and birds that are not of the same feather, they don't flock together. That's why the Christian is exhorted by God, you better choose, I'm exhorting you, commanding you, actually, choose your friends wisely. Here's another fact. We cannot love God serve God properly if our friendships are out of whack. It's not going to happen because your friends are such a huge influence, such a part of your life, that if you're running around with people, befriending people, hanging with people who don't walk with God like you have committed your life to, they're going to be a drag on your spirit. It's a fact. The Bible assumes that when somebody is saved, that it's going to change the friendships and the relationships in their life. 
Look at what 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says. It says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old is passed away. And how many things are new? All things are become new. And that includes our relationships. One of the first things that God did with my life when I got saved, I came out of a drug culture, came out of the hippie culture, and uh, the party culture, and all that loose living, and so on and so forth. One of the first things God did with me was he changed my friendships. And I discovered I really didn't have to leave my old friends. They were very eager to leave me when I began to talk about Jesus. All I had to do is go and say, hey, man, I had this incredible experience with Jesus. Hey, dude, God bless you. Gone. They're looking for the nearest exit door. So it didn't take a lot of work on my part to say goodbye. Goodbye was said for me. And I've learned that if you live for Jesus and really are outspoken about it and upfront about it, friendships have a way of taking care of themselves. Peter said, you have spent enough time in the past doing what ungodly people choose to do. And here's what they choose to do. Peter goes on, you lived a wild life. You longed for evil things. You got drunk. You went to wild parties. The Lord hates that. And then he says, ungodly people think that it's strange when you no longer join them in what they do. So there the Bible is assuming that when we are saved, we will no longer join them in what they do. We don't go where they go and do what they do because we have been delivered from darkness to light, death to life, lost to found. There ought to be a change in our relationships. Now, let me give you a few questions that you ought to ask yourself anytime you're looking at making a friend. Somebody's knocking on the door of your life. You're, you know, you've got some natural affinity with somebody, a lot of things in common, and there's a potential friendship. What should you ask yourself about these people? Because the Bible says you ought to choose carefully. That means think about it. Think about your decision. This is a choice. Here's the questions. Numero uno, most important, do they profess Christ as their Savior? I talk about you as a Christian. This is what you ask yourself. Are they living moral lives? Do they share your godly convictions? This person, you're looking at making your friend. Though they say they're Christian, are they walking their talk? A lot of people sitting in church say they're Christian, but they don't live like it Monday to Friday. Can I just tell the truth today? There's a lot of people that sit in church, and they sing on Sunday, and they sin on they don't live. They don't live in it. They don't walk it. It's a duplicitous lifestyle, and that's not the will of God. Church ought to be a place where you fill your tank so you can keep on trucking in the Christian walk all week long. Are you spiritually weaker or stronger after you've been with them? That's a great one. Are you spiritually weaker or stronger after you've been with them? How do they affect you when you're around them? Do they build you up, tear you down? Is this person pressuring you to compromise your godly convictions? Because I guarantee if you're running with somebody that has not made Jesus Lord of their life, and you have, and they're your friend, and you're running with them, going where they go, do what they do, there's going to be a battle. There's going to be a contest 
there's going to be a challenge of your commitment. Somebody's going to win the battle, and you're going to be tempted to compromise your godly convictions to go along to get along. It's the nature of the beast. How can two walk together except they be agreed? You can't walk with somebody in relationship unless finally you agree. There's got to be an agreement. And generally when the righteous hang around with the wicked, the wicked pull the righteous down. Righteous need to be with righteous, wicked with wicked. Are you better off now than before you knew this person? Before you started running with this group? Before you started hanging with this crowd? Are you better off spiritually than before you knew them? Is your spiritual life stronger or weaker, sharper or duller? It matters so much to God because He wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants to be number one. He has to be number one. He should be number one. He ought to be number one. That's just the way that it is. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, what about befriending people who are lost because I can't have my nose up in the air and act, you know, elitist and holier than thou and all of that. That doesn't work. That's not the way we're supposed to be. You're right. And let me tell you about two kinds of friendships. First, there is the acquaintance level. Acquaintance. An acquaintance is a person with whom you have only occasional contact. They're an acquaintance. Neighbor, someone on a sports team that you're on, an employee at a store, a classmate. There can be many, many, many different contexts and settings where you have an acquaintance. And in the acquaintance level, there's no emotional attachments, no commitments, no strong influences. You're acquaintances. And I've got hundreds of those. And you've got many of those if you live in this world. But then there's close friendships, real friendships. A close friendship is totally different from an acquaintance. A close friendship in that relationship, there is a significant level of transparency and commitment that exists in a close friendship. Close friends know our secrets. They know about our conflicts, temptations, marriage issues, kids, doubts, fears, and so on. They know us inside out. And you know what? When you're around a close friend, it's okay because close friends don't expect you to wear a halo. They know you don't really have one. Close friends are there when everybody else has walked out, a close friend walks in. A close friend doesn't condemn, they don't judge, they don't reject you for your mistakes and your failures. A close friend is there when it's raining, when it's storming, when you've missed the mark, when you have failed, when you have been forsaken, when your heart is broken, the close friend is there. Through thick and thin, Close friendships are based on deep trust. I will never hurt you. I'll never hurt you. They're based on accountability. I will let you speak into my life. I will be accountable to you. You can say anything to me. I trust you. And a close friendship is based on a commitment to wanting the very best for each other. A close friend wants the best for their friend. That's a close friendship. And let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible never says that the Christian should not have non-Christian friends 
on the acquaintance level. I've got a lot of friends. This week I was with people didn't believe in God, don't walk with God. We couldn't be more polar opposite, but I was with them, had a lunch with them, talked with them, but here's what I won't do. I won't go where they go and do what they do. It's an acquaintance friendship. There's no commitment. There's no deep transparency. I keep it there for a reason. Listen, acquaintance level friendships we ought to all have because that's one of the ways you win people to Jesus is friendship evangelism. You can't walk around at work with your nose up in the air acting better than everybody else and expect them to listen to you about God. You gotta be friendly. But the Bible says we should choose our close friends carefully and wisely. Why would that be? Because the Bible says, first of all, we are directly affected for better or for worse by who we walk with as close friends. Guaranteed. You can't have a close friend and not be affected by them, influenced by them. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, verse 20, whoever walks with the wise will become wise. Wow, that's a deal. <laughs> whoever walks with fools will suffer harm. Look at the power of friendship there. The, the, the power of a friendship is it is contagious. If I befriend a wise person, I become wiser. It's going to rub off. I intentionally make friends, close friends, of people who are wise, who walk with God, who are beyond me. Because I want them to rub off on me. I want to learn from them. And if I can't find a person with flesh and bones on a given day, I'll read about a wise person. I'll read the, the writings of a wise person. But I will, I will put myself in the presence of wise, godly people because they rub off on me and I become wiser. If I run with them, if I fellowship with them, I'm going to become wiser. But if I befriend a fool, if I start running around with a fool, with a foolish crowd or a foolish person, you say, well, what's a fool? A fool is somebody who rejects God's word and God's ways and God's Christ. The Bible says that's a fool. If you look up and you say there is no God, you're a fool. I don't care if you've got five PhDs behind your name. If you say there is no God, the Bible says you're a fool. I didn't say it. God said it. You're living in a fool's dream world. God is there. If I befriend a fool, I will experience harm. That's what the Bible says. Whoever walks with fools will suffer harm, will be damaged by that relationship. If you run with fools, you will be damaged. I could walk into any prison. I could go into any prison anywhere in the world and go from cell to cell and say, how did you get here? And they would say to me, almost invariably, part of it was the crowd I hooked up with. It was who I started running with. It was who I started spending my time with. Because their ways became my ways, their habits became my habits, their thinking became mine, their attitudes became mine. The harm you're going to experience in the wrong kind of relationship is very clear. Here it is. First of all, guaranteed, you will experience continuous temptation to compromise your convictions in order to get along or to be accepted. If you begin to run with a fool's crowd, you're going to be influenced by them, and you're eventually going to be tempted, I guarantee you, 
right out of the chute to compromise the convictions that God has put in your heart through his word, to compromise them so you can go along to get along. Because if you're running around with a fool's crowd or with a foolish person, they will either overtly or covertly mock and ridicule your convictions that you got from God. Oh, come on. What's that morality stuff? Have a little fun. You deserve a break today. Have a drink. Have a snort. Have a smoke. Have my attitude. Second thing you're going to get is you're going to get a dulling in your walk with God. Anytime you've got to live in a, in a compromised relationship, friendship, it's going to dull your walk with God. You're not going to have the walk you used to have because we need godly friendships. And I'm going to talk about those in just a moment. Third, it'll damage your testimony. If you run around with fools, your testimony is going to get damaged by association with people that don't honor God. You get out there, people see you in church, you're in church, lifting your hands, praising God, singing the songs, and smiling, hello, praise the Lord, this, hallelujah, that. And then you get out there during the week, and, and, and people see you running with a fool's crowd, doing things that don't honor God. It's going gonna, it's gonna to damage your testimony. And we don't need damaged testimonies right now, church. We need testimonies that shine. We need testimonies that speak. We need testimonies that glorify God because our nation is going down like a sewer and God is looking to the church. And you want to know what the answer to America's ills are right now? I'm looking at the answer right here. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the answer. So the Bible promises if you run with fools and run with fools' crowds, then you're going to be damaged. You're going to be harmed. There's no way around it. The second thing is to run with the ungodly is to disobey God's word flat out. If you make the ungodly your running buddies, your close friends, those that you always run with, it's disobeying God flat out. Ephesians 5, 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty excuses and arguments justifying their sinful lives. For through these th things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of rebellion. Do not associate with them. You know what that means in the Greek? Do not associate with them. Well, aren't I kind of being holier than thou if I'm that way, Pastor Jeff? No, have all the acquaintance friends you want. But there is a warning in the Bible that if we make as our close friends, those that don't walk with God like us, don't love God. But Pastor Jeff, I've got a natural affinity with these people. We've got so many things in common. We have such a great time together. I understand all that. But listen, let me tell you the truth about what Jesus said. Because after all, everybody in here, most everybody in here, is a professing Christian. So let's get right down to it. What did Jesus say? If you don't love me more than father, mother, daughter, son, any other human being on earth, you're not worthy of me and you will never follow me all the way. We've got to be more true to him. See, I, I perform for an audience of one. I live my life for an audience of one. I do what I do for an audience of one. And i got to be sure that the vertical relationship is totally clear. And if anything comes into my life horizontally, this way, human relationships, 
that causes me to compromise this one, then this one has got to stand and this one has got to go. It's got to change because I've got to be true to him. They didn't die for me. He did. They didn't rise from the dead. He did. They aren't coming back for me. He is. I'm not going to answer to them at the judgment. I'm going to answer to him. He's got to be your number one love, your number one friend, your number one everything. He's got to be. You know why some people say Christianity, I tried it and it didn't work for me? You know what? Because they tried it wrong. See, number one principle of Christianity is when you get saved and Christ comes into your life, He is number one. He's my number one affection, my number one focus, my number one commitment, my number one loyalty, my number one all. And when he's number one, everything else has a way of taking care of itself. And so all things in life have got to run through the sifter of whether or not Jesus can amen it. I hear some of you, well, I just came for a July 4th message. Praise God. I'm going to give you a great July 4th. The fireworks are going off right now. <laughs> who, did, who did Paul say not to associate with? Those that justify sin in their life. If you're walking with Jesus and they're not, what do you really have in common with them anyway? What, what fellowship does light have with darkness? Life with death? Lost with found? 2 Corinthians 6, 14, don't be joined or unequally yoked to unbelievers. What do right and wrong have in common? Can light and darkness be friends? The answer is no, they can't. Because you don't have the primary fundamental thing in common in all of our lives, and that is where are you spiritually? Who is your master? Who is your God? Who is your ultimate? Who do you answer to? Him or yourself? Him or the enemy of this world? The enemy in this world? Do two people walk hand in hand if they're not going to the same place? See, if you get with me, I'm headed towards the kingdom of God. You coming with me? If you get with me, I'm on the narrow road leading to life. That's where I'm going. That's my yellow brick road. The narrow path that leads to life. So, so you're either going there with me and we can walk together or if you're on the wide road leading to destruction, mine's going this way and yours is going that way. What do we have in common? In terms of close, best, running buddy friendships. And you will learn the habits of those you run with. Guarantee you. Proverbs 22, 24, don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. See, habits are not taught as much as they're caught. You get around somebody with a negative attitude, mad at the world, mad at life, mad at God, mad at everything, you hang around with them long enough, you're going to catch it. Those of you who have ever smoked or still do, guarantee you, you didn't pick it up alone. You got around with somebody huffing and puffing away, and finally you said, let me try that. And it's the same with what you snort, what you shoot, what you drink. Bad habits are caught by running with people with bad habits. 
We're gonna have to edit out all these amens and all this jumping up and shouting. I'm sorry, my editor. <laughs> Don't let anyone fool you, 1 Corinthians 15:33 says, bad companions ruin good character. See, the devil has always used this with God's people. Solomon in the latter years of his life was totally corrupted from the relationships with women he had in his life who were idolaters and pagan worshipers of false idols. He was totally corrupted and the man of wisdom went down into a condition that is hard to comprehend. When Balak, the king of Moab, wanted to stop Israel in their tracks, moving across the wilderness to the promised land, he turned loose the women to go in with the men and seduced them into sexual sin and they were corrupted by wrong relationships. Don't kid yourself. I believe in godly plants, that is, people planted in your life by God, and I believe in satanic plants, people planted in your life by the enemy. When God wants to bless you, he puts a person in your life. When Satan wants to bring you down, he puts a person in your life. <clears throat> In other words, through wrong friendships, the good become bad. The wisdom of God encourages us to be wise in choosing friends. Now let me go to the flip side of the coin, and let me tell you that in the same way, the wrong kind of relationship can bring you down. A godly relationship can bring you up. A godly friendship is just as powerful in the right way as a bad one is in the wrong way. Let me, let me tell you what we all need to be doing. That is formulating, cultivating godly friendships. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And that's a positive verse. And it's telling us, now the word sharpen is taken from a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word that they translated into sharpened means that just as a knife that is sharp is a productive knife, a useful knife, and a helpful knife, so to be sharpened as a person means that you have been made to be useful, helpful, and productive in life and society. Sharpened. God doesn't want our spiritual lives dulled. He wants them sharpened. The word sharpened suggests fullness of life. Physically, emotionally, socially, and spiritually, it's talking about fullness of life. Being full, being blessed, being well-rounded. And that is what a godly friendship will do. It goes further. A godly friendship sharpens your looks. Now, let me tell you about righteous living and wicked living. Let me give you ladies a great incentive to live for God. Do you know that sinful living ages you before your time? Oh yeah, it sure does. I mean, I've known people, attractive people, who went and lived lives of sin, and you'll see them a few years later and you go, oh.
You look good. <laughs> wow. You think I'm kidding? Listen to what it says. It says, a godly friendship sharpens your countenance. That means betters your countenance. Do you know that walking with God can do for you what Max Factor and Maybelline can't even think about? It makes you younger. It puts a smile on your face. A man sharpens the countenance of his friend. A godly friendship sharpens a person's looks, cheers the spirit, puts briskness and liveliness into the countenance of that person. Oh, the power of a godly friendship. Good men's virtues are sharpened by friendship with those that are good. And bad men's lusts and passions are sharpened by friendships that are bad. So to be sharpened by a godly relationship is to be made ready, useful, productive in life and society. It blesses you, makes you well-rounded. It helps you to become who you ought to be and who you are called to be in God. It doesn't tear you down. It builds you up. It doesn't put a drag on you. It puts acceleration into your steps. It does not make you heavier. It makes you lighter. It puts God in your life. Can you say with me, godly friendship? Say, well, Pastor Jeff, I've, I've wanted a godly friendship for a long time, but I just don't know how to get one. When was the last time you looked? It's like job hunting. You say to people, you, you've been job hunting? Oh, I've been in my living room praying hard. You've been in, but, but where'd you go look? Oh, I, I've, been, I've been interceding, waiting for a vision, a dream. I've been naming it, claiming it, blabbing it, grabbing it. But where have you looked? Well, you know, I just, I'm waiting for that phone call. Listen, that phone call may never come, dude. God blesses moving targets. You got to get out and move. How do you get a, a godly friendship? Let me tell you three simple things in closing. First, it must be intentional. You've got to intentionally look for a godly friendship. Just as iron must intentionally be brought to bear. If I had two swords here, and I wanted to sharpen one from the other, both made of the same material, they've got to intentionally be brought to bear on each other so that they can be sharpened, so they can sharpen one another. We need to intentionally seek those out who can sharpen us, and we need to intentionally seek those whom we can sharpen as well. Are you somebody that walks with God? Is your relationship with God pretty tight, pretty good? Can I tell you that the body of Christ is, is dying for you? And you know what I want to encourage you to do? If your spiritual walk is together, you ought to be looking around for somebody you can mentor, that you can disciple, that you can pour into. Who are you mentoring? Who are you talking to? Who are you getting around on purpose so you can pour into them what God has poured into you. Don't you know God didn't bless you just for you? He blessed you with someone else in mind. He really did. I learned a long time ago, God didn't bless Jeff just for Jeff. God blessed Jeff so that Jeff could bless other people. 
So you got to look around and go, okay, who's struggling? Who do I know is struggling, trying to get their feet on the ground, trying to walk, trying to leave some bad habits, trying to make something of their life in God? I'm going to ease up to them, and I'm going to intentionally call them to myself and pour into them. And those of you that are struggling, getting on your feet, trying to find your way, look around for people who have a relationship with God and intentionally go up to them. I've had people intentionally come up to me, and please, this is not an altar call. I've got all I can say grace over. But I've had people intentionally come up to me and say, can I spend some time with you? Can I talk to you? Can I just listen to you? And I say, hey, I've been exactly where you are. I owe where I am. Let me tell you, I'm standing on the shoulders of several people in my past whose names I could name who took me under their wing, who poured into this former hippie guy who had no church, no school, no nothing, took me under their wing, loved on me, flaws and all, poured into me, spoke God's purpose over me, told me I could do it, told me I should preach. I'm standing on invisible shoulders today. And truth be told, so is everyone here today. There's somebody whose shoulders you're standing on. And they took the time. I had a pastor call me into his office one day. I had dropped out of college, so discouraged. I dropped out of college because they wanted me to take two years of Spanish. Back then, I couldn't figure that out. So I rebelled. Said, so you want me to take Spanish? Adios. Nothing against Spanish. I just couldn't see any reason for it, you know, in the early 80s. Now, I wish I was trilingual. But now, I dropped out, and I, was, and I went into ministry. And boy, I mean, God began to bless. And I was really excited. My pastor called me in and said, what are you going to do about school? I said, well, you know, I'm just kind of done with school. Finished junior college, that's good enough for me. He said, if you'll go back, I'll pay for it. He said, because Jeff, you've got a call, and you need to finish school. I went back. Every semester, I snuck into it. He said, if you ever tell a soul, it's over. So between me and him, I went in. I told nobody. I haven't told anybody. Here's your check. How much and how much for the books? Here's your check. I did a bachelor's went on to a master's, went on to a doctorate. Maybe never would have if somebody had not called me in and said, Jeff, you have potential. I want you to go back. I'm standing on his shoulders. Not only does it have to be intentional, but relational. If I have an iron sword and you have an iron sword, the two are never going to be sharpened if they're not in relationship sword to sword, regularly. The sword's got to be present in contact with the other sword in order for it to be sharpened. Same with us. You can't truly sharpen another person if you're not together in relationship. So not only does it have to be intentional, but it has to be relational. The Bible calls this fellowship. Instead, encourage one another 
every day, as long as it's called today, so that none of you become insensitive to God because of sin's deception. Do you see that? That as we get together and sharpen each other, it keeps us from becoming insensitive to God dull to God. It keeps us from drifting from God. I need you. You need me. We need one another. We need to be one anothering one another all the time. And some of you men, you islands, you men are islands. Now women, get ready to amen me good. Some of you men, you are you are one is the loneliest number. You are Clint Eastwood. You are John Wayne. I don't need anybody. I don't, thank you ladies. I don't need anybody. I got me, myself, and I. I'm tough. I'm rough. I'm the Lone Ranger. I don't even bring Tonto with me. And you guys, you get out there all by yourself, rough, tough, rugged, never going to tell anybody about my struggles and you're dying on the inside. You're croaking. You're falling to temptation. You're messing up. But you got too much pride to go get a brother and say, brother, pray for me, because guess what? I don't have a halo. There's not a man in here who's going to be shocked that you don't have one. Say, I don't have a halo. I'm a normal guy. I love God, but I'm messing up. I need prayer. Oh, if only we could do that, it would keep us, it would anchor us if we had one another who we could call at two in the morning and say, it's temptation time, pray with me. Go ahead, make my day. It's the 4th of July. <laughs> come on, guys. Give me an amen, guys. Amen. We want you to come out of hiding. Come out of your cave. Let us get to know you. It's lonely in that cave, isn't it? Influential is the last thing you've got to be. Not just intentional or relational, but influential. Those relationships have to be influential. You have to let them influence you. Iron sharpens iron as it is in contact. The process of contact influences the other and changes it from what it was as they are in contact. I call people men on purpose. Certain men often because every time I talk to them, they sharpen me. Every time I talk to them, they bring me up. Every time I talk to them, they encourage me. I don't have time for gossips. I don't have time for slanderers. I don't have time for chronic complainers in my own close friend arena. I have accountability partners. We talk to each other. We pray with each other. We tell the truth to each other about each other. Guys and gals, you got to have it. you got to have somebody who knows you. You can't be a nameless face in a crowd at church. Some people like big churches because they can get lost in them. But we're going to hunt you down. We don't want you lost. Because what a joy it is to be known and accepted and prayed for and to tell the truth that we're not perfect, we are forgiven. We're not perfect, but we are sincere. 
The process of sharpening each other in a godly friendship has to be intentional, relational, and influential. Now let me ask you a question. What do the relationships in your life look like today? Are they helping or are they hindering? Are they strengthening or are they weakening? Are they sharpening you or are they dulling you? Can we stand together and we're going to pray. Now, in closing, I want you to think for a moment. Let the Holy Spirit just sift through the relationships of your life. Now, I'm not talking about marriage. If you're married, that's a different Sunday. I'm talking about friendships, relationships. I'm talking about business relationships. You ought not ever even consider going into a business relationship with somebody that doesn't know the Lord. It's a catastrophe waiting to happen. Different values, different worldview, different gods. I want you to just give your relationships to the Lord today. I have so many really good ones I'm thankful to God for. Because God has dealt with me about this, I can't think of one that I would need to make a change in. But that's because God has so dealt with me about this. Who's in your life? Who's knocking to get into your life? To date you if you're single? You better check them out. You better kick the tires. You better find out where their walk is. Father, we just come to you with the relationships of our life so crucial to helping sharpen us in God. Thank you for the godly friendships you have blessed us with. Thank you, Lord, for the positive input from the people in our life. But Lord, if there's a compromised relationship, a compromising friendship, compromising dating relationship that is hurting who we are in God, help us, Lord, to take a stand for you. You say, Pastor Jeff, I really needed this today with your heads bowed. And I received this word, and I'm asking God to help me make a change. Can I see your hands? Many, many people, many people. I'm going to tell you, God can help you to do it. Father, grace these precious people with your presence, with your life, with strength. take a stand for you that is very clear and obvious and strong and unashamed. And we just thank you for it right now. And we're going to worship for just a moment. I want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you.